Hi, I'm Stacy. I love chatting about how to find our callings, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in a coffee shop. You can connect with me on social media at Stacy Summerow and subscribe to StacySummerow.com for a free discernment packet called How to Make the Right Choice. God's adventure awaits, my friend, and I am thrilled you're on the journey with me. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Stacy, and I'm here today to answer a question about eating disorders from one of my listeners, Victoria, who wrote to me. I'm in my junior year in a BFA musical theater program, and I'm pursuing musical theater. I'm also about a year into recovering from an eating disorder, and I struggle with anxiety, and I have since I was about eight years old. I love performing so much, but the perfectionism and fear of failure are drowning me right now. I'm in constant anxiety about my voice, about keeping it healthy for all my performances, being terrified that I will lose it or strain it, making sure I'm perfect in all of my classes and auditions, forcing myself to be productive every second of the day, working myself to the bone in fear that I will fall behind and not be successful, comparing myself to my classmates and being jealous of where they are in comparison to myself. (sighs) My dear Victoria, my heart totally goes out to you because I know this struggle very, very well. I would like to answer your question by starting with a little bit of my own experience, which I think you'll relate to very, very, very strongly. And then I want to zoom out and talk about the greater principles of what's at stake here and what's going on underneath. And then I want to boil it down to one question. There's one question that you need to answer for yourself. And then I'm going to give you the watertight strategies to overcome this mental block that you're in right now. So as always, I am not a licensed therapist or a medical professional. If you are suffering from anxiety over body image issues or an eating disorder, please seek medical attention. So let's get started. I know where my eating disorder started. It was when I was very little and I heard someone I loved and admired talking badly about herself, comparing her body to somebody else's and saying, oh, she can wear white pants, but I could never pull that off. I'm just dumpy and short and fat. And hearing comments like that from someone that I loved made me pick up two beliefs. The first is that we deserve to talk badly to ourselves. And the second is that if our body is not the size that we want it to be, we're worth less as a person. That little cancer grew and grew in my brain and eventually it left just being up here and it began to affect my daily life. I have memories of myself talking so unkindly to myself in ballet class and it didn't matter how talented I was or how hard I worked or how much I achieved, I still was never good enough because I wasn't the size that I wanted to be. I was never overweight, but I just didn't have that stick-thin figure like some of the girls in my ballet class. And I began to think that God really must dislike me because he gave me this second-rate body. I remember often just being on a diet constantly for so long and trying to restrict my calories and then every time I felt like I couldn't follow through on my very strict unrealistic diet I would feel like a failure and I would try again or eat more just you know out of anger so this was a really unhealthy pattern but it didn't become a full-blown eating disorder until I was in college when I was in college a choreographer that I really wanted to work with in a professional company told me that in order to get cast in the shows, she wanted to see how much weight I could lose in two weeks. So 
I went on a massive crash diet and exercised two hours a day and ate nothing but carrots and apples, granola bars, light and fit yogurt, and that's it. And I came back to those sessions 14 pounds lighter in two weeks. Now it's really easy to say that, but 14 pounds in two weeks on a person who's five foot four, um, not that tall, is a lot. And my body just was in shock. It didn't even feel hungry anymore. So I felt high on this power trip. I was so excited that I finally had this body that I wanted. I was getting tons of attention. The choreographer cast me in the shows and she would send the other girls in the company to me to tell them what I had done to lose the weight. So I was being held up as this kind of um, paragon of some kind of virtue that isn't a virtue at all. And I became really addicted to that feeling of power, that feeling of control. Now, it became clear to me after a while that I had put myself into a cage that was a trap. And the scale was going to dictate to me every day whether or not I was allowed to have a good day. I couldn't be present to people. I couldn't enjoy myself. And really, honestly, my spiritual life was nothing. I went to mass every Sunday, but I heard what I wanted to hear through a very, very specific filter. At that time, I didn't realize that my choices were destructive and I didn't realize that I was getting myself into these bad habits that were going to take a very, very long time to break. And I didn't even realize that I had these underpinning beliefs that informed these habits to begin with. So it's taken a lot of years to unspin this. After a while, I became so miserable and I knew that I wanted a way out. So I started eating again, but, which was good, that's where you are, Victoria. That is awesome. Huge progress to actually give your body the calories it needs. Even though my body was mostly healed, my mind wasn't healed. So I know the importance of making sure that you take care of that mental piece as well. You have to heal the whole person so that you can be truly happy moving forward. And Victoria, I do want to say that, and anyone struggling with an eating disorder, I do want to say that complete and total healing is absolutely possible. You can be free from these addictive, habits from these these anxieties this fear of failure all of that you can be healed from all of that so let's zoom out and take a look at the bigger picture i believe now that the entire problem came down to control i didn't believe that i was good enough just as i was and so i tried to control everything in order to make myself good enough so let's talk about the reality of control some things are in our control our habits uh, our, our diet, not meaning being on a diet all the time, but just whatever we put into our body, our exercise habits, how we talk to ourselves, those are absolutely in our control. Things that are not in my control is my value as a person and my bone structure and my height, literally the body that I was given. And I used to be really angry that those things weren't in my control, but it's actually a really good thing. So maybe you wanna pause the video here for a minute and maybe just wanna take a minute to ask yourself what is in my control in my years of reflection and prayer around this matter, I believe that the secret to understanding and having a happy, good relationship with your body boils down to trusting that God, who is in control of the things that you can't control, is doing a better job than you possibly could. What does that mean? It means that you were created and you were designed with a specific purpose in mind. If you believe that God is love and that God created you in his image so that you look like love, and that God loves you, then it means that every aspect of your body that you don't like was created and designed for a specific purpose. And if you can release that control of trying to change that and instead trust that it is good 
because God has it in control, I think that's the secret to happiness. The trash truck is outside, so I don't know if you're gonna be able to hear that in the background, but here we are. There is such a freedom in knowing that you were created in love, for love, and that every part of you to the one who created you is beautiful. Not that all your decisions are perfect necessarily or good, but that the essence of who you are, the essential part of yourself, is completely beautiful to God. In other words, you are loved unconditionally and your body is meant to be cared for, not punished. I know that it's easy to get into the rut of believing the opposite, and that seems to be where you are, Victoria, and that's where I was myself for many years. Um, it's really addictive to think that you're not good enough. And it's really scary to begin to actually embrace the truth that you are good because it means that everything has to change. The way you treat yourself, the way you talk to yourself, the way that you eat, the way that you work out, and all of your habits, really. And I know that on the other side of that is a very scary question. If I decide to change, will I get fat? And the answer is no, you won't. You won't get fat. You will have to readjust your expectation or your mindset around the word fat and maybe what that means. It might mean that you're a size four instead of a size double zero, but by true, real, good, honest standards, you will not be fat and you will be healthy, which is more important. And so it all comes down to this. Here's the one ultimate question that you have to answer for yourself in order for everything to change. Do I want conditional love or unconditional love? If you want conditional love, you've got it. You know what it feels like to live conditionally. The anxiety and the fear, feeling like you're in a cage, feeling like you're about to make a wrong move, uh, allowing your successes and your failures to dictate your worth as a person. That's conditional love. And like the Israelites, when you get out into the desert where you're free, you are going to miss some of those comfortable, addictive, um, hateful, self-hateful habits. You'll miss, just like the Israelites, they said, oh, well, at least we had meat when we were in Egypt, and they would complain and want to go back, which is insane. You'll want to go back because there's a weird comfort in that addiction of, those, of that conditional love, of those thoughts, those self-limiting thoughts. And just like the Israelites also, you're going to be terrified when you walk through the Red Sea and it could come crashing down on you at any moment. For me, the equivalent was um, letting go of all of those hateful, self-hateful mentalities that I had and redefining my relationship with myself. It was so foundational and so terrifying. My self-destructive habits almost became a weird protection for me. So you have to decide, do I want to live like that? Or do I want unconditional love? It means breaking down your habits and forming new ones, which is exhausting and it takes time. It is a process and you'll need to be very kind and patient with yourself, but it is a process that is so worth embarking on in my opinion. My life is one million times better since I left behind conditional love and began to embrace unconditional love. So how do you go about doing that? Let's talk about some watertight strategies that are going to help you get there. The first one is to allow yourself to be receptive. Instead of telling God what he did wrong when he created your body, be humble enough to say, God, I need you to show me. Make yourself like the Blessed Mother who said, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. 
This is a really hard one when you first begin to say, God, will you please show me? Will you please tell me? Because we're because you don't have that trust with God. And so you're wondering if he's going to smack you down or if he's going to ignore you or turn away. But the truth is that he is going to show you nothing but unconditional love, the best possible love in the entire universe. Second of all, go where you're loved. Who is it that loves you no matter how you look? You know, uh, when I was struggling really hard with letting go of my addiction to an eating disorder, one of the things that was hardest was knowing that that choreographer that got me into the eating disorder, kind of, was no longer going to like the way that I looked. She probably would stop casting me in future shows with the company and the people who had validated me for all of my self-control and losing all that weight and becoming anorexic were probably going to fade away and I was no longer going to be the, the um, envy. I was no longer going to get the envious looks that I had from my fellow performers. But I remember one of my friends said to me, in the midst of my eating disorder, you know, Stacey, I really liked the way that you looked before you lost all that weight. I thought you looked great before. And that person was still my friend throughout the entire thing. That was one of the friendships that lasted. All of the people who validated me when I lost all that weight, I don't even talk to them anymore. I felt like I had to have a work life and a uh, personal life separation for theater. So I would go to auditions throughout the day and then in the evenings I would go out with my friends from church and go do church events and hang out together. And I really needed those relationships because they were so much more life-giving. I found that some, sometimes in theater it just sucked all of the joy out of my, um, the joy out of my life because it, it led me back to that conditional love. It led me back to that, those habits, triggered the old habits. Make a resolution to invest deeply in those relationships. Third, break yourself of the habit of talking unkindly to yourself. This is hard and it takes a while, but you need to first of all identify when are you talking to yourself as though you're not worth anything. For me, it was all the time. For a very long time, I would tell myself, you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly, and no one's ever going to love you. And that's how I motivated myself. You need to nix that completely in your life. For me, it took about six months to rewire my brain so that I wouldn't automatically start talking to myself. Bad Just press pause on those negative thoughts, take a deep breath, and ask the Lord to show you. And I know that's a prayer he will be very, very happy to answer. Finally, I encourage you to find out what God thinks of you. How do you do that? By reading his words, by reading scripture. I know I've encouraged people to do this in many of my other videos, but I can't say it enough because I can't even express what a difference it made in my life. Like, you can memorize the entire St. Joseph's Baltimore Catechism, attend Mass every Sunday for your entire life, like I did, and still find yourself in your 20s not really knowing what God thinks of you. And it was when I started reading scripture and began reading some of the lives of the saints as well, St. Faustina's diary is awesome, that I started understanding that to the creator of the universe, I'm worth dying for. That is amazing. And when you start to look at yourself that way, when you start to open yourself up to the possibility that you are so lovable unconditionally, then things can really change. Then you're not just taking away the negative self-talk and taking away the anxiety, but you're replacing it with truth. You're replacing it with security and the depth of God's love, which is a, a fountain that you can bathe yourself in and swim down and you'll never find the bottom of it your entire life. So Victoria, I want to just encourage you and anyone out there struggling with self-image anxiety to answer the question, 
am I willing to be loved conditionally or unconditionally? And then I hope these strategies I shared are going to help you in your journey back toward understanding who you have always been, which is God's beloved, God's daughter, God's bride, and understanding that that is your place in creation, that your inheritance is an eternal one, an imperishable one, and to not settle for less, but to allow him to love you so that you can love yourself. Now, before you go, you may want to check out my recent episode with Dr. Scott Hahn, the man, the myth, the legend. He was absolutely incredible, and we actually talked about fasting for people who are suffering from eating disorders or maybe have an eating disorder in their past and are triggered by some of the Lent Lenten fasting practices and expectations of our faith. So he covers that in that episode. So I'll be sure to link to that here and link to it below. So make sure you check that one out next. I also wanted to thank this episode's sponsor, which is the Christian Family Movement. CFM is a growing worldwide movement with over 70 years of experience specializing in bringing families together. They describe themselves as being formed and transformed with the goal of being Christ's hands, his feet, and his heart to the world, which is so beautiful. Deacon Tom and Kathy are CFM members and they said, our involvement with CFM for more than two decades has been a big influence on us and on our children. We've all grown stronger in our faith and our marriage is happier thanks to CFM. We formed close friends through CFM in two different parishes. We look forward to our meetings every month and always have interesting discussions and go home inspired. We strongly recommend joining a Christian family movement group. So you can find CFM right where you are. And if there isn't a group, you can start one with the support of CFM and of course the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so they give you all the materials and the resources that you need to get started. So go to cfm.org to learn more. I invite you to consider joining the True North Discernment course. If you are struggling to know like what's going on in your head and how to put it all down and how to really get things very clear, the True North Discernment course really is for you. It features five modules all about um, discovering what your deepest desires are, learning to hear God's voice, and learning techniques that will help you make decisions big and small, effectively, quickly, and with peace. So it is a worthy investment. And in addition to that, you will also get uh, a whole bunch of 43 talks from the God's Adventure Awaits Summit from some of the smartest people I know, include, including uh, Father Mark Goring, Sister Bethany Madonna, Jackie and Bobby Angel, uh, you name it, it goes on and on, Father Gregory Pine. Um, there's so many beautiful guests um, that, that gave talks, and that all comes as part of the package. So it is a fabulous value for what you get. So you can go to stacysummerrowcom slash adventure to check that out. There'll be a link, of course, in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and God bless you abundantly.